BH. At the end of our second week, I had a really hard time wrapping my head around the fact that most dads only get two weeks of paternity leave. There was no way that Rachel was in a place that she was going to be able to take care of herself, let alone Edison. As we mentioned in our last episode, I got a bacterial infection during my first few days postpartum, and so my tear and stitches got worse in the first week when I was supposed to start the healing process. I was on two antibiotics at this point, and I still needed a prescription-strength painkiller to make it through the day. Edison was still a little bit jaundiced, but he was getting a little break from the everyday visits to the pediatrician. He turned one week old the Friday before Labor Day. We're very lucky that all of our visits seemed to be pretty spaced out through his first month, so we were never overwhelmed with visitors. There were almost a few times where I wished there were more people around because I just felt like I was drowning. So today we're going to share a little bit about Edison's second week of life. So on Friday, Edison turned one week old and we desperately needed groceries. So we decided that we would load him up and take him for his first ever grocery run. We didn't think it would be that big of a deal because there's a grocery store about five minutes away from our house, so it should have been relatively straightforward. But it turned out to be a very, very bad idea. It was Friday night before Labor Day weekend, and it's the first Friday of the month, so there just were a lot of people that were doing their shopping for the entire month. On top of that, that's the day before all the college football games start, and we live in a town with a very large college football team. Edison did really well in the store. I think Harrison and I were a little bit more frazzled than he was, but we just got the absolute bare minimum that we could to make it through and got out of there as fast as possible. We just kept laughing because he had absolutely no clue what was going on, but he looked around a lot because the store has some fun lights and he just had this look on his face like everybody here was crazy. And even though he would have no clue, everybody there really was crazy. The next day, Edison got to meet Harrison's sister and brother-in-law. And while they were over, we got to just chill at our house and visit for a little bit. And I think it was really nice to just have the two of them here. And then we were able to go out to eat and also look through Ikea. When they were here, they asked if we wanted to go anywhere to eat. And the only place that we could think of was this local restaurant that we just really enjoy eating. It's very similar to a city barbecue, but it's more local. So we have a better time there. And we decided we'd just go out and just eat there with Edison. And surprisingly, that went really, really well. This was also my first time pumping in a public place. So while we were at Ikea, I ended up pumping in their family restroom because they didn't have like a dedicated nursing room. But thankfully, the family restroom had a chair in it and not just the toilet. So there was somewhere that I actually could sit to pump. We're a little bit further than two weeks right now, and I can just say that overall, it's pretty insane how few places have mother's room or dedicated places for Rachel to pump, and it's really something that we've started paying a lot more attention to, because whenever we're out and about, Rachel has to feed Edison too, and we don't really think that it's something that she's going to just do in public. 
Looking back at pictures from this day, I was so swollen. Towards the end of the pregnancy, I really started to swell in my feet and legs and my face. Um, but especially postpartum after having all of the fluids during labor, it just was overwhelming. My body was very puffed up still at this point, and it hadn't left my body yet. They had told us when we were in the hospital that the swelling was going to take a long time because of the additional fluids throughout the entire induction process, but it really was insane how long it took for it to die down. Rachel's stomach had gone almost completely away because there's not a baby in there anymore, but still her ankles and legs were just really swollen and it just looked like it was hard to move around. So on Labor Day, my parents and siblings came over and they all got to meet Edison and my two little nephews got to meet him as well. So these are the only cousins that he has and it was so cute to see my oldest nephew meet Edison and I just remember when my nephew was born like how much that just changed my whole perspective on life and it was really a surreal moment seeing this little boy that I cared about so much meet my son. It was really cool to watch these little kids around Edison because they're just old enough to know what another baby is and know that it's something kind of like them, but aren't quite sure what to do yet. And so it was really fun to watch our nephew hold Calvin and still have like these very stiff arms, like I'm holding this thing and just, it just was some really fun moments and we got some great pictures. So the next day I had to go back to my OB to get a checkup on my infection. So it has been a week since they first found it, and I had been on a basic antibiotic up until this point. And they kind of had two people that I was regularly seeing. The one that saw me on this day did my delivery. She did my stitches in the hospital, but she hadn't seen the infection the first time. So they had the midwife that saw my infection the first time, and then the OB that did my delivery, both in the room to take a look at it. And between the two of them, they determined that it did look better than it did the week before. So the basic antibiotic was doing something, but they still wanted to add on this second antibiotic that is specifically targeted for it, just to make sure that it goes away completely and quickly. These antibiotics were really helpful for Rachel and definitely helped the infection go away faster. But one of the things that we weren't really ready to think about is the fact that every medicine Rachel takes also has a direct impact on Edison. So you've got to make sure you check with any of your doctors prescribing medication that it is safe for breastfeeding. And then just also know that some of the side effects that Rachel has are also going to come to your baby as well. So for Edison, he was having a lot of drowsiness due to these antibiotics, but the biggest change was we saw a major issue in his poop. The OB reassured me that antibiotics are a very common thing to be on postpartum, and one of the ones that I was on is the most common antibiotic that is used to treat mastitis, which is a breast infection really common in breastfeeding. And so... I knew that that antibiotic has been prescribed to thousands of breastfeeding women and that it was safe for Edison. But yeah, it was kind of messing with my gut a little bit and it was messing with Edison's as well. 
Even though Edison had way more poops than we thought he would because of this medicine, that actually helped his jaundice quite a bit. So he still had some jaundice, but it was starting to go really, really well. He was gaining weight, and because of the medication, he was having a lot of poops, which is going to help get rid of that bilirubin so that the jaundice levels can start to go down. On the last test that they did, they actually saw that they were going down, so they officially cleared him from all of the concerns from jaundice, and they just wanted us to come back at the one-month appointment. They did let us know that they'd prefer we don't change anything about our feeding routine, so at the time, we are pumping and giving him bottled breast milk all the time, and they don't want us to make any changes until one month, just so they can be sure that it continues to go away. But that afternoon, we did have a lactation consultant come over. We had scheduled this appointment before we went to the pediatrician, and so we just wanted some more information. I had this huge list of questions that I was just adding to anytime I was reading something online and was like, oh, I don't really know how that applies to me, or there's just so many things about breastfeeding and pumping that are so specific to the mom and the baby that you can't just have this generic information. You really have to have information that is specific to you. The lactation consultant was great. It was really, really helpful. And one of the nicest things is they actually came to our house. So we didn't have to go anywhere. We didn't have to do anything. We just had to make sure that we were ready for this person to come into our house. And when they were providing advice on the way we could move forward with breastfeeding, they're actually able to use the stuff that we have at home so that when they leave, it's much more familiar. It's not like they're using a tool that we don't already have. She did a weighted feed, which means she brought her own scale and weighed Edison as soon as she got there. And then we latched him and let him eat. And then after he was done, weighed him again. And she was able to determine that he ate approximately three ounces during that feed. What was really reassuring about him getting that amount in that one feeding is that it only took about 10 minutes. And the lactation consultant was really making sure that we understood that that is not the normal at all. Rachel's milk is coming in very fast with a lot of it, which is not a problem that everybody has to deal with. For a lot of moms, they're in a scenario where they don't have enough milk. We were using a nipple shield at this time, which basically is like a little plastic silicone thing that you put on top of your nipple to make it more like a bottle. That way, when you're kind of transitioning from a baby that has only had bottles back to breastfeeding, they can kind of get used to the bottle texture, but be able to like smell the mom and realize that they're getting this breast milk from the breast, and then eventually you take it away. Overall, the general consensus about the nipple shields is that they're awful. They just are hard to work with. They have a hard time staying on. It's really easy for the baby to bump it off while they're trying to feed. But the best thing is that it definitely makes it for an easier transition. And it's also easier to see that he's actually getting something. And so that is really helpful, but we wish there was a better solution that just stayed on way better. I also got measured for the correct flange sizing, which is something that nobody talks about. A lot of breast pumps will come with like 
two sizes and they're usually way too large for most women. So it's pretty common that when you have a pump, you're going to need a much smaller flange size than what you were given with the pump that you purchased. So it's really important that you measure it and there's tons of free tools that you can find online that will do this or you can just use a ruler. When it comes to sizing, there's a lot of ways that you can do it. And the way that the lactation consultant did it is they pulled out this little silicone measuring guide that basically has a bunch of circles cut out at different sizes. And they would hold it up over Rachel's nipples so that they could see exactly how big it is. And you can do this at home with just any stencil circle cutout that you can find. So if you go to like a general store into the art supply section where they'll have like circle drawing guides, as long as it's in millimeters, you can actually use that to measure on your own at home. If you can't find any at the stores that you regularly shop at, there's plenty of online resources that you can go ahead and cut one out of paper so that you can use that too. It's really important that you get the correct sizes because it can damage your nipples and that will give you a lot of pain. Um, if it's too large, which is the problem I was having, it can draw in like more breast tissue, which will just make your entire boob hurt. And then you're just in this really unfortunate cycle of pain. Later down the road, it can also start to affect your supply. So if you don't have the right size, you're not going to be getting your milk out effectively. And then your body is going to start making less. And breastfeeding is all about supply and demand. So you want to make sure that you have that right size so that you can empty all your milk efficiently. And I know it seems like we've gone on about this for a really long time, but it's absolutely insane that this is such an integral part to pumping and nobody ever has mentioned it to us. And in the hospital, even though we talked with a lactation consultant about pumping, nobody walked through sizing or just gave Rachel any sizes. So had we not found this information on our own, Rachel probably would still be pumping with the wrong size or would have just flat out quit because it just hurt so bad. So at this point, because the lactation consultant had noticed that Rachel was using the wrong size for a long period of time, she did recommend that for at least 24 hours, we do not even try to latch Edison on and just have Rachel pump with the correct size so that her nipple has a chance to heal. And when you're thinking about going to the hospital, everybody says, don't bring your pump because the hospital has one. And so we didn't even have one. We didn't bring anything. But, you know, looking forward to the future, like the hospital did not have the size that I needed. So next time I need to bring my own because I don't want to be in pain. What we found to be really, really helpful is they make these silicone inserts that can be added inside of a 24 millimeter flange, which is what is typically provided with every single pump that you'll buy. And you take this insert and basically can pop it into whatever flange they have. And what we have found to be helpful about this is it's an easy part to clean and we can put it into multiple different flanges. But what else is really helpful is that it's silicone. It's not a hard plastic, so it's more comfortable for Rachel. 
So after that appointment, I was able to get him to latch on a couple of times using the nipple shield, and we weren't really trying it consistently. It was just kind of whenever we felt like he was hungry, but not to the point where he was screaming and upset. But because I had so much damage to my nipples, it was still really painful at this point. And so it was just an every now and then kind of thing. I think what's really unfortunate is that we were seeing some good results from meeting with the lactation consultant, but unfortunately it's not covered by my insurance and it's not covered by insurance for most people. So you have to be willing to spend the money if it's something that you want to do. And it's just really too bad that breastfeeding is so good for the mom and good for your baby, but this country just doesn't really make it accessible or easy for moms to do. And you have to spend a lot of time and money to make it work. It is really hard to justify the cost of a lactation consultant if your insurance doesn't cover it. But the way that we have tried to think about it is basically we don't have to buy formula because Rachel is creating breast milk. So we don't have that expense. And instead of buying the food, we need to buy the things so that it is easier for Rachel to make the food. And we understand that not everybody is in the situation to be able to do that. But that's kind of how we're thinking about it. And you may hear people say, well, breastfeeding is free and formula is not. But breastfeeding is definitely not a free thing because there's tons of stuff you need. The goal is that hopefully over time, the cost of breastfeeding is very upfront. You have to buy your pump and, you know, bottles and things, storage things. But if the longer that you keep doing it, the less money that you should need to spend. On top of money, there are plenty of other benefits. And that is something that is really driving us to keep going, even though we're having some issues at this stage. Along with providing a lot more information about breastfeeding and sizing, the lactation consultant talked to us a little bit about why we were having issues with Edison feeding on one side. So basically what the consultant said is that babies that are born with the vacuum tend to have some sort of trauma that might make them favor one side over the other. And if you notice that, you might also notice it while they're feeding. So we had kind of noticed that Edison really doesn't like to lay on his right side. He would throw a fit until you basically just rolled him on his back or rolled him over. And that included if he was just laying flat on his back, but the right side of his head was down. He just seemed to be more angry about it. So she recommended that we take him to a chiropractor to just get some light body work done to maybe relieve some of that tension. But we ultimately decided to wait because we didn't have insurance for Edison yet. And we also wanted to talk to the pediatrician about it. This insurance thing is a little bit crazy, but the way it all worked out is that before Edison was born, Rachel and I were both on our parents' insurance. So that is how we were able to have insurance. And after Edison is born, what happens is the baby is put on the mom's insurance for 30 days until you can pick up your own insurance that includes them. So I picked up a 
insurance plan through my work and added Edison, but it took a little while for us to get those cards. After we got the insurance cards, we did talk to the pediatrician about the idea of going to a chiropractor and basically working on the fact that he's favoring a side. And she did have a little bit of hesitancy sending him to a chiropractor. The biggest reason is she doesn't want any manipulations to be done this early if he doesn't really need them. What she did do was recommend a couple of stretches that we could do every time we changed his diaper so that he would kind of stretch out that one side of his head. And that has seemed to help and we have not taken him to a chiropractor. So after all of the events that day, we decided to go out and get dinner because we had a lot going on and we just wanted some fast made food. <laughs> We decided to go out to an area of town where we regularly pick up food and we thought it would just be a quick trip and no big deal. But we were maybe five minutes away from the place that we were going to pick up food before we headed home and our car just broke down at the stoplight. The engine light and brake light just flashed and then the car stalled and just idled. So we shut off the car, turned it back on, and it did it again immediately, and we were just stuck there. So we had to call to get it towed, taken somewhere, and luckily we had friends to come and pick us up, and they could bring us back home. And we went through this, we were just so tired, ready for the day to be over, and just wanted a little bit of food, and it took probably two more hours to get us home, and we never even got food. So week two was a little bit exhausting, but it did start to feel like towards the end of that week that we were finally starting the healing process. When the days and nights are so long, a lot can happen in two weeks. It was difficult to remember that recovery is a marathon, not a sprint. Next time, we're going to talk about the third and fourth week postpartum. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.